Right, all right, NBA podcast is back. The NBA season has officially tipped off. I'm your host, Sleepy Jay, joined by the one and the only Mackenzie Rivers, NBA betting expert, Will Mack. The first games of the 2022-2023 NBA season are officially in the books. How did you feel seeing the NBA officially tip off here on Tuesday night? Felt awesome. I mean, this is the game that I love, and it was played at an extremely high level. It started with the Celtics-Sixers game. Both offenses from the get-go looked really connected, like they've been playing together forever. Uh, James Harden, by the way, svelte, shooting well, moving well, forced three fouls on three-point shots in the first half. Guys didn't expect you know, to see that kind of movement from them, didn't know how to respond to it. Uh, it was it was great basketball. I lost my uh, best bet here on the podcast for the Sixers. Celtics looked great with their new coach, but uh, it was fun to see. Both of these games flew over the total. A lot of transition opportunities. We're going to talk about that. Small little change can have huge impacts on how we handicap games. The fact that you can no longer stop a fast break with a quick foul. We've already seen lots of transition opportunities in both the games on opening night. Look for that going forward. Uh, first, before we go ahead and we get into uh, our title picks for the season, Mackenzie and I, we want to go ahead and get you guys up to speed on our podcast schedule. Our main pods, guys, they'll be on Tuesday and Friday. And our quick pods, which will be found on our Twitter accounts, they'll be on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, we have two featured segments. One of those segments, if you haven't been listening, will be on this podcast tonight. And I'll say this, it's a segment that you can win money on each and every week when we do it. Mackenzie, they're going to have to wait, find out if they weren't listening to see what that segment is. But you have the Friday segment. What are we going to do on Fridays? That's going to be super fun. Yes, the Friday bankroll bet. Steve Fezzik, one of the premier handicappers and professional bettors in the world. He's going to be working with us. He's been respecting our acumen, plus 104 units, the two of us combined. 57.1% over 345 plays last year. He's like, all right, young one, nice job. Let's make some money together. So this is how it's going to work. Friday, Sleepy and I are going to select one wager that we think has the very best opportunity on Saturday's NBA card. We're going to text, get a hold of Steve Fezzik. He's going to make that wager. He's going to use his 30 outlets, get the very best number in the universe. He's going to take a screenshot of that for us. We're going to post it to our Twitter accounts. And you can follow along how this partnership, betting partnerships work. And we're going to make money together. That's going to be super exciting. And I think what's even more exciting is that if you guys are listening to this podcast, you're going to get that wager almost in real time. So make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. With all that out of the way, let's go ahead and let's get into our title picks there, Mac, for this season. We probably should have did this on yesterday's pod or our Western and Eastern Conference preview pods, which you guys, if you haven't listened to, make sure that you guys listen to those. Uh, But let's go ahead, let's reveal our picks to win the NBA title. Mac, the floor is yours. Who is your official NBA champion that you're picking for this season? You know what? I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. it's kind of chalky. I mean, their title favorites are right there with the Celtics and Clippers. And I have the benefit of, uh, if I did this before the season, I'm not sure I would have, I would have picked the Warriors. I mean, it's them and the Clippers. I have power rated as the highest in the league Celtics right behind them. But I just believe in this vision. I believe in, uh, the culture that they've set and Draymond Green took four shots tonight. looked like he bought in. He realized he had some, you know, amends to make, and he was going to do the dirty work. He was going to do the little stuff. He's going to do what he do to be Draymond Green. And I just think it works. You know, it's a little bit of friction, a little bit of tension, a little bit of, man, I deserve to be paid. Sometimes can go a long way. I mean, look at the last dance. A lot of tension, a lot of hatred towards management. 
but it was a team geared in on a singular goal. And that's what I see with this Warriors team. I feel like they're going to play above their talent. By the way, they're as talented as any team in the league. Kaminga, Wiseman looked good today. Looked like they are ready to take that mantle as the elite players next to Steph. All right. Well, unfortunately, there, Mac, we're not going to have um, multiple teams to maybe cash this ticket because I'm right with you. The Golden State Warriors, they're the best team in the league. I said it last year, and my pick again this year to win the titles, the Golden State Warriors at 7-1. They're the best shooting team in the league, one of the best defenses. I think they have one of the best head coaches, the best home court advantage. I think they have the best youth slash bench combination. They're still hungry. And look, the best team, they don't always win, you know, but when you're picking the best team, you usually give yourself somewhat of a chance. So it's 7-1. to one. I'm on the Warriors with you. I don't see how this team's not favored. I mean, that's just kind of head-scratching to me. I often wonder, you know, why the odds makers are trying to maybe outsmart the room. This pick, Mac, is easier for me to make this year than it was last year. Just stop and think about it for like three seconds. This Warriors team is better than last year's team. Now let that sink in for a minute. This Warriors team is better than last year's team. Yet the market... They're in love with teams who lost last year and got run over by the Warriors in the finals and beaten on their home court. And yes, I'm talking about the Boston Celtics. The odds makers, they're favoring teams that can't stay healthy, have no cohesion, have a ton of question marks. There is no question mark with this Warriors team. They are the best team. Curry, Clay, Draymond, they're all passing LeBron this year. They're all going to have five rings. So my pick for this season's NBA champion. Golden State Warriors at seven to one. So Mac, you and I were in unison, and I think you and I that we're buying a very good basketball team. And we made a big deal about the Warriors going from ten to one to start the playoffs to about four to one right after they won the first couple of games in the Nuggets series. If they're as good as they have been, you know, years past, then the ten to one was wrong. Not the adjustment we made from a couple of games, but the adjustment we made from not seeing this team, you know, in action with all of their complement of strength. I feel like we've seen that now, and now that's the team going forward. Not the team that middled and was second, third in the West last year, but the team that's a four-time champion. I feel like tonight was more proof of that. This is the team we got going forward. Sometimes I wonder, Mac, if you know when you have a team that comes back kind of unhealthy or you get a big player back, that you have to be careful what sample you take. So in your opinion, like what sample should we take from last year? Where should we start at? And then where should we kind of maybe cut off Maybe it's 15 games or 20 or 25 games. And then really just look at that sample of this current team. Because now you got guys like Wiseman who haven't been there. You're going to have to include him in. But I think in order for us to get a real true gauge on how good this team is, we have to go back to last year to a point, and then we have to stop at a point this year, put our power rating together with this team. And I think that that's, that's going to give us a real clear vision of who this team is and you know where would you go back to last season to look? It's a great question. It's a fascinating question. I'm going to say something uh, controversial. The Golden State Warriors that you're talking about, what their power rating is, you got to start your analysis of that team game one of the playoffs. Throw out everything else. Klay Thompson came back middle of the year last year. Steph Curry played like three minutes with him before he went down. Draymond, Draymond was out. They never played all together until the playoffs. And by the way, Steph was – working his way back. He came off the bench the first couple games. So that's why people say, oh, I'm overreacting to a a short playoff run. No, I think that's the team. I know it's a small sample size, and it's difficult to make strong conclusions from a small sample size, but I think if you're going back earlier than that, you're judging a different team 
than the current title favorites or co-favorites, the Golden State Warriors. Let's go ahead. Let's talk some NBA Wednesday, Mac. I'm going to ask you this because I'm looking at the board here and I see a lot of games here for Wednesday slate. I'm curious what you think is the most interesting game and the one that you're probably looking the most forward to watching. Got to go to Brooklyn. Probably the most exciting young team in the West. New Orleans Pelicans face the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. Uh, It's just a matter of seeing stars coming back. Zion Williamson, we haven't seen in 18 months. Before that, he was putting up 27 in literally never seen before efficiency, and he just turned 23 years old. So I want to see what he has. He looked good in the preseason, looks better shape. And then with this Nets team, I mean, Ben Simmons, again, haven't seen him in more than a year. He on paper, is the perfect complement to what else they have going on in Brooklyn. I want to see if it works, because if it does, talk about him being Defensive Player of the Year, and they got to be the favorites in the East if they're clicking on all cylinders like they have the talent to be. So I actually like the Nets here, Mac, minus the three points. I think out of these two teams, when you look at Zion and you look at Ben Simmons, who's going to be the easier fit? Well, I think it's easy to answer. It's It's got to be Ben Simmons. They're not going to ask him to go out there and shoot. Just go out there, play defense, rebound and distribute the basketball. Zion, he's going to be asked to do a whole hell of a lot more. And you got to mix him in you know, with the teammate in C.J. McCollum that he hasn't played with. And they're on the road, and they're going in New Jersey. That's not going to be an easy place to play. I actually think there's a favorable spot here for the Nets. I made my line minus six, and when I saw the line, Nets minus three, I'm like, ooh, like, that seems pretty juicy. Now, we like the Pelicans. You and I, we gave them out our season win total of the year, over 45 wins. But I don't think this is a good spot for them. And that's come out on the better end of this. You have KD and you have Kyrie. They're, they're going to manage and they're going to get that sour taste out of everybody's mouth real quick. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those players have big games. And Ben Simmons goes out there and looks like he's been on this team with them from the beginning. That's just kind of how I feel. And I can't say that necessarily about Zion right now. But I'll go ahead. I'll like the Nets here minus the three. My power ratings strongly agree with you. Very strongly agree with you. I mean, look at this line. Nets minus three at home. Okay, well, if a home court is two points in the NBA, three points in the playoffs, I'd argue it's more like two points in the playoffs. Either way, this is saying they're pretty much even teams. The Nets are 8-1 to one to win the title. Pelicans are 40-1 to one to win the title. So what is the disconnect here? And I think a lot of it has to do with how bad the Nets were at home last year. I talked on this podcast about how Barkley Center is where Knicks fans go to boo the Nets. I mean, there's really no home court advantage there. A lot of criticism in Brooklyn, much more than there is like an inherent fervor, like maybe in Oakland or in San Francisco, where the Warriors fans are much better, much more responsive. So just to put some numbers on it, last year at home, including the playoffs, nine winners, 35 losers, ATS, 20%. That's like unheard of over that big of a sample size. So that keeps me off the game. Power ratings agree with you. I think motivation-wise, the Nets are just as amped for this game as the Pelicans. But I don't want to play the Nets at home, so I'm going to pass. Here's what I think about the Nets and their home court, we'll call it advantage, is that let's go back to when Kyrie and KD and Harden were there. Go back to like the first, second, third week of the season. That place was packed with Brooklyn Nets fans. And once the the crazy story started happening and, and COVID started leaking in and Kyrie's doing this and KD's doing that and the defense was falling apart, players were hurt. The crowd started to fizzle away and go back to when Brooklyn first came to town with KD and those guys. The crowd was there. So I do think there is a home court advantage for this team. But I also think that if they do have a home court advantage, it's going to be the biggest this year 
because we don't have the COVID stuff. And KD came back and he's like, yo, Brooklyn, I love you guys. And, and Kyrie came back and Brooklyn, I love you guys. And I think that one thing that New York needs is, well, the Knicks really haven't done a whole hell of a lot for them. I think that the fans will embrace those guys coming back and I think they'll actually start being supportive of Ben Simmons. So although we've seen over the last couple of years that their home court advantage hasn't been all that great, I actually would boost it up a little bit because I think there's a lot of negative stuff that's just, it's not going to be there. And I think that there's a lot of optimism, you know, with the fan base that they do have and it's early in the season, they're going to show up. And if this team can go out there and rattle off wins and look like the Brooklyn team that many of us thought that they could be, then I think that fan support stays. And I think we have to, you know, maybe possibly look at, at moving their home court uh, advantage in the positive direction. So that's all I have on that game there, Mac. I'll go ahead. I'll play the Nets there, minus the three. Why don't you and I go ahead? Let's recap uh, what we saw quickly for the opening night. We talked a little bit briefly about the 76ers and the Celtics. Was there anything that really stuck out in that game to you? Transition, 24-2, to two, the Boston Celtics outscored the Sixers. And to me, it was like a light bulb moment. For Boston. So the first eight minutes of the game, it's 14 11. It's a low scoring game. I have the under, so I'm happy about that. And the very first ever take foul is called late in the first quarter in the Celtic Sixers game. New rule that we've seen in the NBA this year. And after that moment, Stan Van Gunny commented on the broadcast about it. They were just playing faster. They were just saying, okay, if you can't foul us in transition, we're going to run down your throat. To me, you look at the two games tonight. The faster team won both games. The smaller, the younger, the more spry team won both games. Those are the type of teams I'll be looking going forward based on this rule change. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I should have considered that before I went ahead and gave out my pick on the 76 or Celtics under in the first half. I actually thought I was doing pretty good there. The first quarter looked like it was trending under. I was all excited, and then I turned around, and those guys did not miss. So went ahead, dropped my best bet, but looking to go ahead and and bounce back in that department with tonight's podcast. Uh, for me in that game, it, it came down to those teams just look like they never missed a beat. And I was curious, you know, what teams have been together, at least they're starting five and their six man, and then what teams are, are kind of all broke up and there's just all these new pieces. And I think one of the things that we probably want to look at, you know, the teams that have just been together, at least they're starting five, you know, their head coach, their six man, those are probably going to be like more play on teams for me, Mac versus teams that have a lot of things to figure out. And and those are the teams I, I, I'm really isolating right now, and I kind of just want to stay away from and do my work. There's no reason I need to jump in, you know, jump into the water right now with every single team, making all kinds of bets, betting all kinds of player props. Like, it's a long season. We still have the NFL going on. We have college football. We have to make money, obviously, and, and we have to make money where we're comfortable. So there, I'm, I'm kind of trying to break down certain things with the NBA right now. But that's what I saw with, the, with with those two teams in specific. They looked really good. And then in the Warriors and Lakers game, the Warriors looked like they didn't miss a beat. I mean, they were up by, what, almost 30? I think they were actually up 30 in that game at one point. But I will say this about the Lakers. The Lakers didn't look bad, Mac. I thought that what they were trying to accomplish, they were actually doing quite well. But it was some of the things last year, at least one thing last year, that plagued them, and that was turnovers. I think they turned the ball over 21 times in that game, and they only had like 17 assists, or maybe it was only like 12 assists. But I know their assist-to-turnover ratio was not good. So I think the Lakers are a work in progress. AD looked good. He looked healthy. He looked like he was out there grinding and battling. Um, that was good to see. LeBron LeBron looked like LeBron. I mean, he was out there balling. I mean, I think he put up like 30-some points in that game too. So 
the Lakers looked half decent. I'm not going to go in and say they looked anywhere near as bad as they did last year. And I thought that they actually played half decent defense until the end of the game. I don't know if you guys watched the end of that game, but if you had the under, I kind of feel bad for you because they were just bombing threes and nobody could miss. So that's kind of what I saw with those two games. Steph, he looks good. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Clay looked good, even though he only played, you know, limited minutes. I think Clay like played like 20. He looked half decent. So you mentioned Draymond going to go out there and do the dirty work. I mean, that that's that's his job. He did it damn well tonight. So that's kind of all I had really for the recaps of the game tonight, Mac. I just want to point out, on paper, two years ago, you listed all these guys, Westbrook, Davis, James, and then you listed Curry, Thompson, Green. The Warriors aren't that much more talented than this Lakers team, but they closed seven and a half point favorites because they buy into a system that works. And that's what I'm worried about with this Lakers team. I said last on podcast, they're too talented to be this bad. I'm not sure if I saw a, a team that's going in a different direction. I mean, Westbrook was the point guard for about eight minutes. And then LeBron was like, all right, let me grab that. And you look at, there was only 11 assists between Davis, James, and Westbrook. I don't think any of them were to each other. It was a very disjointed offensive performance. LeBron can put up 30 night, 30 night every night if they're running down up at the court and they're not stopping anybody. They need to play a half-court style of basketball. That's their talent level. I mean, they have Anthony Davis, six steel, steel blocks, what I call steel blocks, or steals and blocks, steals plus blocks. He should be like a Joel Embiid manning one of the best defenses in the league that's slowing down, that's grinding out games. They can't win these shootouts with teams like the Warriors. I think they got to – I mean, Darvin Ham's his first, coach, first year coaching the Lakers, so he's going to try new things. This is just, you know, the first try. By the way, uh, maybe the Lakers have some optimism because they were in a very tough spot. Historically now, last 11 years, a team that won the championship 10-1 and straight up, 8-3 and ATS that next night. Uh, so the Warriors were in that spot and they came through. Well, I mentioned this on the podcast, Mac, when we were talking about these games in specific. I talked about the Lakers and that I thought that they were going to really try to focus on their defense because that was probably the easiest thing that they can get in order because they were just so bad last year. I mean, they were like the third worst team giving up points in the league. And I figured they would come into this game. And it's not an easy task. I mean, you're going up against the Warriors. But I'm still looking, and and I kind of agree with you, they, their offense did look a little disjointed at times, that this is probably going to be a team that you really want to look, you know, going ahead and back in some unders. So that'll wrap up the recap there. Let's go. Let's jump into some of these Wednesday games there, Matt, because that's what everybody wants to hear uh, we have our best bets, we have our best bet prop bet, and we also have our featured segment coming up. But when we go ahead and let's talk about one of the more interesting teams in the league. Let's start in the Eastern Conference here with a game. We got the Cavaliers. They'll be on the road going to Toronto. The Raptors right now two and a half point favorites. We have a total of two fourteen and a half. Mac, I have a bet that I like in this one. How you seeing this game maybe playing out? All right, let me pull back the curtain a little bit. I bet the Cavs plus four. And I know I got to pay a $50 fine telling you about a bet that I made that is no longer available. I say that only to say this. I'm not especially happy about my point and a half closing line value with that bet because of what we've been talking about. Chemistry, cohesiveness, transition, all of those things are what the Raptors do the best. Last year, they were not a great half-court offense, but... We're able to make up for that because they were so good defensively, so good at pushing the pace. With this new rule change, that might help them a lot. That might make their below average offense, you know, slightly something better than that. The same thing with the Cavs in reverse. 
They were cohesive last year. Now they add one of the more demanding of the ball guards in the league in, in Donovan Mitchell. That said, I think they're better than the Raptors. I think this line should be about where it is uh, because of the home court advantage and because of the cohesiveness advantage of the Raptors. They get some sort of bump. But talent-wise, the Cavs are better than the Raptors. Uh, so it leaves me neutral in the game. I mean, I have my ticket. I'm going to let it ride. I'm not going to bet back. But I was a lot more optimistic before I started to see some of these games, starting to see uh, how much transition and cohesiveness seems to be an important element for these teams early in the season. Look, I'm not going to fine you 50 bucks for going ahead and saying that you got a really good number. There's no fines here. I don't want to stretch you out and, and you know take any money out of your pocket. And I certainly don't want you doing that to me. But look, I expect the Cavs to be a pretty damn good team this season. But more importantly for this wager, I think they're going to be a much higher scoring team this year. Donovan Mitchell brings in more scoring. You know, we know that. But the Cavs last season, they were the ninth lowest three-point field goal shooting team in the league. And I think that this team takes a much different approach this year. Based on the preseason with Garland and Mitchell, and I know it's only the preseason, they were shooting a lot of three-point shots. Then you insert Levert as a starter, and that gives me thoughts that the Cavs want to play as a much faster-paced team. And they will shoot plenty of threes this year. The Cavs' defense last year, very good. But I think that's going to change now with Donovan Mitchell on the floor and Levert on the floor. And as you were talking about, Mac, like these teams that have a lot of cohesion, the Raptors do. And they have five guys um, that all played together. But they all want to shoot. So I could see this team just jacking up a bunch of shots and not looking for open guys. And I do have my concerns with the Raptors in, in the assist area. I mean, they were the worst assisting team, I think, last year in the league. I think playing the Raptors actually under their players, under assists for the prop market, actually might be a pretty good moneymaker for all you guys uh, throughout the season potentially. But the market right now has moved on the over 214. It's up to 214 and a half and rising. The Raptors in the preseason, which, again, we can't take a whole hell of a lot out of that, they actually played at a very fast pace. I think they were one of the fastest paces teams. Um, in the preseason, look at look at the box scores and look at the amount of points that they were scoring and giving up. And I know it's the preseason, but still, we have to try to take something out of that. And I think a lot of these teams look at the Golden State Warriors and what the hell they're doing, and they probably ask themselves, how do we match that? Well, you got to get guys that can shoot. You got to get guys that can run up and down the floor. And we heard that on the broadcast tonight, if you were watching the NBA on TNT, that teams are really trying to mimic this team and trying to just play basketball the way that they're playing basketball because nobody's been able to figure out how to beat this team when they're healthy. So I see the Cavs and I see the Raptors running and gunning tonight. I see Mitchell and Garland and all those guys on the Raptors getting their shots up, and I see a much faster pace game. I think the 214.5 um, actually is quite wrong, and I think this game probably goes well over the total. Uh, with that game wrapped up, let's talk about that New York team there. Not the Nets, but let's go and let's talk about the Knicks. Uh, they'll be on the road there, McKenzie. They're playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Number two seed from last year. The Grizzlies going to be installed here as a five-and-a-half-point favorite there at home. We have a total of 226 on this game. How are you feeling about the new-look Knicks going into Memphis? I'm not bullish. I'm not uh, overly bullish. Uh, Jalen Brunson was the perfect, use a term that Kyrie Irving hates, the perfect second banana in Dallas. I don't know if he's the number one option or if it's R.J. Barrett, but I don't think either of them are qualified for that role. That Takes us to Julius Randle, who looked terrible, not just last season, but going back to the last playoffs he played, his shooting numbers just fell off a cliff and they haven't come back. No one's seen him. 
lots of reasons not to like the Knicks, in my opinion. I don't think Jalen Brunson is that uh, cure that they're, that they're looking for to finally, you know, make the playoffs on a consistent basis like they haven't done in decades. And then on the other side, Memphis, very cohesive, very good transition team last year. Uh, I could only look at Memphis in this matchup. Uh, five and a half seems kind of short, so I'll be looking at Memphis. I'll make a crazy prediction that there's a good chance that the Knicks get smashed in this game, and it could be ugly, maybe 20-point loss for them. Who's the number one player on the Knicks right now? Well, it seems like they rolled the ball out and gave it to R.J. Barrett, and then all of a sudden they took it away from him, and then it became Brunson. But I still believe that Julius Randle thinks that he's the best player on this team. And then you mix in guys like Mitchell and and Fournier. Uh, I don't think they really did a whole hell of a lot. I do not like the Knicks bench right now. This team's going to take some time to get it together, and I think there's going to be a big power struggle between Brunson, Barrett, and Randle because I think Randle's going to go out and say – yeah, I didn't have the greatest year last year, but look at the look at my stuff from the year before. Like I'm still very good. I think there will be a little bit of a power struggle between this this group right now in New York and going in against the Grizzlies, a team who lost in the playoffs last year. They're talented, and we know that. And look, Jaron Jackson's not going to be on the floor, but I think this Grizzlies team could just simply just run right past this Knicks team, and I think they might be a little shell shocked. And this is going to be a team that's going to take some time to kind of figure out who they are and what they want to do and how the hell they're going to do it. Where the Grizzlies, they're going to be run by John Morant and they're just going to go out and do what they did, you know, all of last year and just run up and down the court and, and, you know, just blast teams. So I could see the Grizzlies really handing it here to the Knicks. I'm considering playing the Grizzlies because I feel pretty good about that there, McKenzie. So we'll see if my prediction rings true. Let's jump over to our next game here on Wednesday. McKenzie, we have your Chicago Bulls. Are they your Chicago Bulls or, or not? Uh, when Michael Jordan left, my fandom decreased. No, I was, honestly, Chicago teams, I've had a love-hate relationship. I really adored the Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Luau Dang, Rip Hamilton Bulls. Uh, since then, I've never really found occasion to be a fan. I, I don't like uh, the way they run their franchise. It seems like they're permanently looking to be decent, which is you know not interesting. All right. I guess that's fair. Well, they're going to be on the road. They're playing Miami. Miami's going to be six-and-a-half-point favorites here at home. Uh, we have a total of 216. I'm going to pass this game. I'm kind of neutral here. I think you know a lot of people are down on the Bulls, but let's not forget how that team started out last year. Looks like they're probably going to end up putting Domasunio in there as the starter, and I think he can do some pretty good things for this Bulls team. I'm not sold on the Heat right now. Um, I, I, they, they're, looks like they're, they're messing with their lineup. So we'll see. I think the six and a half kind of feels right. So I'm going to end up passing this game right now. The Miami Heat were the number one team stopping opposing point guards last year. It came to a head amazing fashion with Trey Young, where he went 10 points on average under his over-under prop. And I think he went like he went over once and under four times or something like that. But very, very stiff point guard defense. The reason I bring that up is because you mentioned how the Bulls started off on fire last year, then fell off a cliff after January. That coincides perfectly with Lonzo Ball playing really great, best basketball he ever had, first few months of the season, and then this lingering knee issue that doesn't seem to have any end in sight came up in January, and the Bulls' offense and defense fell off a cliff. So this year, Alex Caruso still coming off the bench. You know He's not really starting level point guard. They're going to promote Ayo Dosuma, who you mentioned, 22 years old, to be the point guard of the Chicago Bulls. 
Now, I've mentioned before, rookies almost never have positive value for a team. You look at his estimated plus minus, minus three and a half last year. So very, very poor player to be elevated to your starting point guard position. So they're gonna it's gonna be trial by fire. I mean, this is the team. If you want to see if he can hack it as a point as a starting level point guard in the NBA, this is a good team to roll him out with. Uh for this game, I think the Heat are probably properly rated. I don't think the market is downgrading them for losing PJ Tucker, but I don't want anything to do with the Bulls. I bet under their win total, I'm looking to fade them whenever possible. And it's a wait and see game for me, but I'm thinking that this is going to confirm the problems that I see with the Bulls in their point guard position. All right. So it seems like a stay away game for me and McKenzie. Uh, speaking of McKenzie, why don't we go ahead and do our coupon code if you guys were listening yesterday and this coupon will run for a week. It's MAC20, M A C K 20. Go to pregame.com. Pick up McKenzie's season package, NBA package, and you guys could also go and hit for 57%, which, if my math is correct there, McKenzie, you're going to end up coming out on the positive side of the ledger. Make sure you guys go to pregame.com. Again, that's coupon code MAC20, and you guys could save yourself a little bit of cash and pick up McKenzie's NBA package. Let's talk about one of the bigger stories here on Wednesday. I think this is going to... I don't want to say he's going to dominate the nightcap on Wednesday, but Damian Lillard is going to return. And the Portland Trailblazers are heading out on the road with a completely new-look team, and they're going to be underdogs. And the Sacramento Kings are two-point home favorites, and we have a total of 226.5. McKenzie, are you excited to go ahead and watch Damian Lillard make his way back onto the court? Yes, redemption tour for Damian Lillard. 20 points per game last year, 40% shooting. Is it possible that Damian Lillard just became a human again, just became mortal all of a sudden like that? Yeah, it's possible. But we've seen over the last 10 years of basketball, Chris Paul. People thought he was done five years ago. Still one of the best point guards in the league. Steph Curry. People thought his days as an MVP level player were done until he put on probably his best playoff performance ever last year at the age of 34. Damian Lillard's my age. You're old like a geezer. So he can't be washed. He cannot be washed. He's only 32 years old. And one bad stretch does not erase a career of being one of the most clutch, most creative offensive firepowers in the game. So I'm bullish on the Blazers just because I think Damian Lillard was a clear top 10 player every year of his career. Up until last year, and for some reason, people are just throwing him in the trash, ranked 20th or something by ESPN. I think it's just because out of laziness, where they don't want to be able to follow uh, you know, as many great players are as are in the league. But I'm not writing this guy off yet, and I'm excited to see him tomorrow. I am too. We talked about it on the Western Conference preview podcast that you know, sometimes in the leagues are just not the same when certain players aren't playing. And and Dame Lillard was, was sorely missed, I mean, not only by his team, but I think you know, by the, by the NBA fans and the fact that we didn't get a chance to you know, go ahead and watch him do, you know, what Dame Lillard does. So it'll be interesting, but I will say this, you and I, we have an agreed best bet prop bet that's actually going to come from that game. But Mackenzie, I actually like the Kings in that game. Let me go back to the preseason quickly. And again, it's the preseason, but the Sacramento Kings and the Portland Trailblazers actually put both of their starting fives out on the floor and the game was ugly. The Kings blew them out of the water. They won that game by 32 points. And I said, well, maybe maybe Portland was in it 
at some point, and then maybe it just got away from them late. But that wasn't the case. In the first quarter, they were beaten by 12 points, and in the second quarter, by five. So they were down by 17 points at halftime. And in the third quarter, uh, they lost again by four points. So these starting lineups, maybe there's something going on with the Kings and the Blazers right now, but they're just not matching up very well, at least according to the preseason. But if you look at the Kings in the preseason, they actually played really well. They ran over the Lakers in two games, blew out this Portland team, and then they actually beat the Suns. So they went up against some of the better teams, some of the better talent, and they came out winners. They were undefeated in the preseason. So, you know, take from that what you will. But I would go ahead and I would look at going ahead and back in the Kings here, uh, minus the two points. We have one more game to get to. But first, we have to get to our featured segment. This is the one that we talked about. Uh, it's going to be our forum contest over at pregame.com. We're going to go ahead and we're going to call this our Wednesday Five. Each and every week, somebody will be awarded 55 pregame bulk dollars. And we'll go ahead we'll shout you out. Right there in the forum, you guys can go ahead and get your money. You can buy picks from whoever you want. I pregame it spends just like cash. But here's how it works. Mackenzie, myself, we're going to give out five NBA players. And we're going to combine them together. And if their total points scored beats everybody in the pregame.com forums that post their five players, well, then we'll roll the money over. But if you beat us and you end up as the number one scoring team, you're going to get 55 pregame dollars. Very easy. Go to pregame.com. We'll have a pin thread right in the pregame.com forums. It's going to say Forum Contest Wednesday 5 NBA Podcast. And you guys will be able to enter your picks there. Just enter your five players. And then what will happen at the 7 o'clock tip-off, that thread will lock. Nobody will be able to add picks. Nobody will be able to edit. And everything will be pretty much kosher uh, the way that I see it. So, Mac, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give you the floor. You and I, we went ahead. We picked five players that we think are going to outscore everybody on Wednesday night. Who are we looking at? Starting out number one, the man with the highest point prop of the night, 29 and a half. That would be Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic will be in our five. Also in that game, Devin Booker with an over-under of 25 and a half makes our five. Also going to take Terry Rozier like this play. This is a sneaky one. This is not one of the top five highest point totals, a little bit lower than that. But you look at the Hornets and who they have to give the ball to. Terry Rozier might come up with some big nights this season. Damian Lillard mentioned him, throwing him in the five. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander rounds out our top five for Wednesday night. All right, I like it. Hopefully you guys don't beat us. But again, if you guys want to enter that contest, very simple. Go to pregame.com forums. Uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's talk about that Mavs and Suns game. This will be the nightcap here on Wednesday. Current line in this game right now, Suns minus four and a half. Total 216 and a half. Mac, you and I agree on this game. What are we looking at? I'm leaning to the Suns. I mean, look at this line. It's four and a half. Last year, they played, I don't know, seven games in the playoffs come, I don't know, May. Never at home were the Suns laying less than six points come game time. Has there been a major reevaluation of the Suns or the Mavericks? Maybe. I mean, when you win a game seven by 30 points, it makes, makes my eyebrows raise. I do have to consider that. That said, I don't downgrade a team two points, especially when there was very good reasons what happened to the Suns comes out after the fact. Chris Paul had a lingering quad injury. We've seen him in opening games. We've seen him in regular seasons play very well, much better than the performance he put on when he looked like he had a knee injury. It looked like he wasn't right towards the end of that series. 
Chris Paul in opening games, 13-5 and five straight up in his 18-year career, 11-7 and seven against the number. I think the Suns are the more motivated team coming off that playoff revenge. And I, I just don't get the adjustment. This is the two teams that we knew exactly how good they were last year. I'll ask you, what's changed other than that one Game 7 performance? Um, I don't really think a whole hell of a lot. I mean, you're going to take Brunson out. You're going to take Crowder out of these two teams. That's a great point. And who's more valuable to whose team? Jay Crowder, sixth man for the Suns, or Jalen Brunson scoring 25 a game in last year's playoff? If anything, the Suns should be a bigger favorite than they were last year. And that's kind of why I like them in this in this game. And another reason why I like them, it is Chris Paul. Now go back to last year and you know look at what that guy did, especially especially in the playoffs and, and coming down the stretch. And go back to the beginning of the year and look what Chris Paul did. He just brings a calming sense to this team. This is not a complicated type of team. This is not a system that is super complicated. He goes out there. He makes sure that the guys are in their spots. He gets them the ball gets them on their spot, and they, and they knock down shots, and they just go out there and they just play really good team basketball, really good chemistry. That's why they ended up with the NBA's best record last year. Now, look, do I think the Suns could go out there and beat you know a bunch of good teams in, in, in the West and, and end up in the finals? I don't foresee that happening. But I like Chris Paul in game one. Um, he's going to have his team calm down. They're going to know what they need to do. This team has been together. When you have a core of Paul, Booker, and Aiton, they're going to go out there and they're going to do what they need to do. I feel like Dallas might come in here a little bit nervy and Luca might actually end up having to do a whole hell of a lot, maybe even too much. But I could see Dallas pressing here a little bit on the road. And Phoenix is not an easy place to go play. Uh, one of the tougher places in the league, if you ask me. So I'll, I'll back the Suns. Um, I'm in favor of them for sure. Now it's time for us to go ahead and jump into our agreed prop bet of the podcast. We went ahead. We ended up with a winner there last night there, Mac, uh, with LeBron James over his rebound seven and a half. How much did he finish with there, Mac? 13 rebounds? 14 rebounds, 31 points, and eight assists. Huge box sport night for the king. Many people call him the king. I'm a little bit skeptical of that name and his game in general, but he cashed for us. So how mad can I be? Nine rebounds in the first half. We didn't even have to sweat it. All right, well, let's hope that we can go ahead and do that here with our agreed-upon prop bet. So Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to play Josh Hart under 16.5 points and assists. This is a pretty decent starting five. You have Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Nurkic. Nurkic is going to get his shots up. He always seems to get his shots up. doesn't matter who's on the team. Lillard, we know the ball's not going to get taken out of his hands. And, you know, they give a lot of money to Anthony Simons to go out there and kind of replace C.J. McCollum. And then Jeremy Grant, his point total right now is listed at 13.5. It's the same as Josh Hart. I feel like a lot of the other players outside of Lillard and Simons, that they're kind of jacked up a little bit too high. But, McKenzie, we went through the preseason, and there were things in there that really stuck out that alarmed us about Josh Hart. The positive was his rebounds. The dude, he's a, he's a rebounding machine. I think that's one of the reasons why they have him in this starting five. But what were some of the things that we were looking at that concerned us that really put us on this play, you know, a pretty strong manner? Yeah, he played four preseason games, Josh Hart, 3.8 points per game, 1.5 assists per game. And he was playing minutes. He's played 25 minutes a game in these preseason games. It's just a different role. And that's what really gravitated me to this pick. Josh Hart scored 20 points per game last year for the Blazers when he was traded to them. 20 points per game on the worst 
team ATS wise we've ever seen. Nobody fell to expectations worse than the Blazers last year. They were terrible. And Damian Lillard came out in street clothes and said, this will not continue talking to Blazers fans because they can't be this team. They got to be at least where they were when they had CJ McCollum, when they were making Western Conference Finals. That's the only team that Damian Lillard wants to be part of, something that's ascending. So how are they going to get there? It's not with Josh Hart, in my opinion, taking on a bigger role or expanding his game. He's a role player. He's been a role player his whole career. He's going to stick right where he is. It's with Anthony Simons. It's elevating him. He's got to be C.J. McCollum plus. He's got to be C.J. McCollum from a shooting guard perspective with better defense, with more dynamicness in the transition game, taking pressure off of Damian Lillard. That's why they made the move. Not because C.J. McCollum was a bad player, but because they got to find a running mate with Lillard with a higher ceiling if they're going to do anything in the playoffs. Josh Hart is the odd man out, in my opinion. You look at his stats with the Pelicans last year. All right, decent stats. What do you have? You know, 13 a game. All right, fine. He was playing on a Pelicans team before they turned the corner. Again, they were a bad team last year. First 41 games when they had Josh Hart. Pelicans were the fifth worst team in the league, minus six margin. Then they got rid of Josh Hart and they did a lot better. Josh Hart puts up stats on bad teams. Blazers don't want to be a bad team. They refuse to be a bad team. That's why he's a lesser role than he did last year. I expect that to continue under 16 and a half points and assists for Josh Hart. I think what actually might end up helping us out in this game is the fact that Josh Hart plays the way that he plays. If he is in a starting lineup and he plays big minutes, there's a really good chance that he ends up in foul trouble. This is a guy that ends up with a lot of fouls. I mean, just go back through and look at his box scores throughout the years. This guy could rack up a bunch of fouls because he just plays so tough and he's out there battling and grinding and, you know, fighting for every every rebound and every loose ball that occasionally he gets dinged up and rung up for a couple, you know, cheap fouls and he ends up in uh, in foul trouble sitting on the bench. So. I, I really like that we're avoiding his rebounds with this, with this bet, points and assists. You look at his per 36-minute stats, eight rebounds a game for his career. So we're just carving that out of our bet. He can get five, six rebounds in the first quarter. Don't matter because I don't think he's going to be shooting or facilitating. That's why I like this points and assists. Well, somebody's going to get squeezed out of this offense. This, there's no way that this offense is going to operate like the Toronto Raptors offense, where everybody's going to get a little bit of a touch. Everybody's going to get a little piece. Somebody's getting squeezed out. I could see Hart sitting down in the corner, uh, maybe shooting an occasional three or something like that, and just being being more of a defensive type guy. So I think we cut out the right thing there. And based on the preseason stats, I mean, what are we at there? What's the average there, Mac? Like 5.2, and we're getting 16 and a half. I think we made a good wager here. So I'm pretty confident we're going to end up hitting our agreed-upon best bet prop bet uh, for Wednesday night. Uh, but that'll wrap it up, guys. That'll do it for this podcast. You guys have to like, subscribe, and leave a review for this podcast. Just simply search RJ Bell's Dream Preview on any podcast player. And this has been the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast from Mackenzie Rivers, uh, the Pelican Man, and the Howling Wolf Man. Ooh! <laughs> I'm Sleepy Jay. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the games.